0: Hello, I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in.
1: I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness.
0: And it's changed. It's changed my life completely, yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before, and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. My guest today has been through the most extraordinary life-changing experience. A little over 10 years ago, Taria Pitt was in the rugged Kimberley Ranges of Northwest Western Australia, competing in a 100-kilometre marathon. when suddenly she was confronted with a grass fire. She had nowhere to go as the flames caught up with her. She suffered extensive burns to her body. The next two years, Taria spent a lot of time in hospital and underwent 200 operations. Her extraordinary resilience has been inspiration to everyone around the world. She's written several books. Her latest is called Happy, where she seeks answers on the question, is it possible to be happier? Well, I'm very happy to share our chat with you today. Hello, Taria. Thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. I am excited to
1: have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Emma. The Queen. The the Queen, queen. I know. Frothing.
0: In real life, almost. (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump straight in, and I know that you've told this story a million times, but what happened to you the day that your life changed?
1: Yes, so in 2011, I was working as an engineer uh, in the Kimberleys at the Argyle Diamond Wine, and I really loved running just... It was a way for me to de-stress after a big day at work. I would run to and from work and all that type of stuff. And I entered an ultra marathon one day. I got trapped by a grass fire about a quarter of the way through the race, so around 25 kilometers into the race. And I received burns to 65% of my body, got helivacked out of there, spent two years in and out of hospital and kind of, well, no, I, you know, I reinvented myself.
0: Did you ever wonder
1: why me? What did I do? Yeah, of course I did. I think that's a really natural response to tough shit that we're going through in life, right? And whatever that is, like whether that's breaking up with a partner, um, getting a cancer diagnosis or, running in an ultra marathon and receiving catastrophic burns to 65% of your body, there is an element of why me, of course. I always get told that I'm a really positive person and I I don't think I am. I think I'm a realistic person. So I think that might be because of my engineering background, but I knew that I had to put in, the work I had to put in the time to my recovery. I had to really commit to it, dedicate myself to it. If I wanted my life to be better or any different to what it was in those days of being in hospital and being in rehab. So to answer your question, yes, of course I, I asked why me. But apart from that, I was really good at narrowing my focus and just thinking like, what, what are the, the little goals that I'm going to set for myself today
0: yeah I mean you must have been a very disciplined
1: person beforehand to do an ultramarathon
0: like how many cases an ultramarathon
1: uh well okay so a marathon's 42 kilometers so an ultramarathon is technically defined as anything over that and the ultramarathon that I was running in was 100 kilometers
0: was it your first ultra marathon,
1: or had you done them before? No, that was my first ultra marathon. Yeah, but oh, I, I, I loved running. So I was a uh, running's my jam. It's what I do. It's what I love. Um, so yeah, I was a fairly disciplined person. But I think what I learned from my recovery is that you don't achieve anything really big, whether that's competing in endurance events or recovering from a really big injury. It's not a, a moment of cataclysmic success, right? It's just that consistent waking up, doing it again, you know, with writing. It's waking up, putting in the time, writing a couple of words. If half of them are shit, that's fine. You do it again the next day. So for me, I think how I've achieved things is I've just, I've just been good at just showing up. Yeah, well, showing up, it's... That's half the battle. Half of the battle, yeah. Half the battle, yeah. If you show up, you're miles ahead of everyone else. And if you go for a run, this is what I told the mums in my running program, like if you go for a run and it's not good, like you're still lapping everyone who hasn't gotten up and done something. Exactly. And I think a
0: lot of it is about mindset, right? It's about getting your mindset right and just taking the next step the next step, whatever the next step is. And so for you, I'm guessing in recovery it was the next, just the next step, whatever the next step is.
1: Yeah, and some days that was literal, like as in taking the next step. step step of the hallway. And then I also think goals are a big part of achievement, which makes sense now that I've said it out aloud, because I set the goal of doing an Iron Man one day when I was in hospital. And so for me, you know, when I felt, tired or felt low in energy or didn't want to do anything my friends and family would rally around me they'd say no if you want to do this Ironman you know you've got to get up you've got to go get working you've got to get yourself kind of fit and ready for this scene yeah totally how important was your partner and also your family and friends throughout your recovery
0: because it's amazing it can, yeah, yeah it would have been a lonely old ride I expect yeah
1: amazing I don't think well I wouldn't be where I was today if I didn't have those amazing people in my life, I think any of us could probably say the same, right? Like if you didn't have your family, if you didn't have your friends, if you didn't have, you know, whether or not you have a partner, but if you didn't have those people in your life who are supporting you and who are helping you to achieve your goals, I'm not really sure if if you can achieve them on your own. And would life be as fun? No, and I mean that's what I found out, right, when I was writing my book on happiness, the sole predictor for our happiness levels is our relationships with each other. Yeah, absolutely, our connection with
0: each other. It's so funny because I read your book directly after I read The Happiest Man on Earth by Eddie Jakku. Oh, I love that book. Loved, loved. I was very sad to hear he passed away. But that book was just heartbreaking and amazing and, and um, because I've been doing my own research on happiness and then I read yours and I'm like and then you had done an interview with
1: yeah and it was
0: just amazing and I thought oh this is serendipitous I meant to be reading these two books together amazing goosebumps yeah goosebumps right so tell me you've written that your life will now be forever divided into two parts before the fire and after the fire what do you mean by that
1: in a way I'm still the same person right I've got mostly the same attitude the same partner the same group of friends and family but my job's completely different. I look quite different to how I used to look. And so I think for me it was almost helpful to think of myself as someone who was reborn or as someone who was a be- who was a beginner again because I think once you embrace that mentality of being a beginner you lose all of that ego because in hospital you know if I would walk five steps Part of me would be proud, but another part of me would think, oh, you're pathetic. Like you, well, You're running an ultramarathon. Like You can't even walk five steps. Like, why are you even trying? And so I think for me to overcome that, I just, I had to accept that I was an, a new person. I'd just come into the world. And because I was new and because I hadn't done any of those tasks before in my new body, it was okay if I wasn't very good at walking, if I wasn't very good at taking steps, if I wasn't very good at riding a bike and I think embracing that that mindset of being a beginner it's really important for all of us right because I think as adults if we can't do something straight away maybe even as kids if you can't do something straight away you kind of go nah that that's not for me I I can't yeah I can't do it it's it's not for me and I think if you don't want to do something go for it like I don't particularly want to learn how to do ballet if someone tried to convince me I'd just say no nah, I'm, I'm actually good mate I'm I'm not interested but I think if there is something you're interested in whether that's running or whether that's writing a book remember that you might be a beginner and that's okay and the only way you'll get better is just by continuing to show up and just chipping away at it every day
0: oh totally and I think it reminds me of a conversation I had with my daughter she was seven at the time she's eight now but she said something to me like, and in the book I talked about um, mindset, growth mindset versus fixed mindset with and some of Kara Dweck's work. And I was doing a Instagram story and I was talking about the power of not yet. Anyway, I got off and she was sitting next to me because she was home. And uh, I got off the video and she said, oh, th- is that like me, mum, riding my bike? I can't do it yet. I'm like, That's Amazing. exactly right. Amazing. Yes. No, Amazing. No. I'm like proud mum moment.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean you should, yeah, that—that that is a—that is a proud, a proud mum moment for sure, and it's like it's so simple, right? It's just one little word, tacked onto the end of the sentence, but it, the way you feel about that activity changes, because you realise it's—it's not something that's impossible. It's just something that you just can't do at this point in time, but you might very well be able to do it. If you just keep showing up, keep having a go. That's exactly right.
0: And that's how I felt when I was younger. I used to go roller skating. I love roller skating. Oh, I'm so jealous. I still love roller skating every Friday night down at the roller skating rink. Anyway, after lockdown, I went, What is the thing that used to give me joy as a kid? I want to get that joy back. And so I started taking roller skating lessons. <laughs> and my instructor, I want to go backwards, which is quite hard to do when you're middle-aged now because, you know, you don't, you're don't, you not quite Yeah, I'd be, I'd be terrified. <laughs> I am terrified. i am terrified. <laughs> but I do have cool skates, so that makes it all good. Yeah, better. okay. But my instructor keeps saying to me, you can't do it yet, M. You can't do it yet, but you will be able to do it. I'm like, how quickly will I be able to do it? Because I'm quite impatient. <laughs> but even when you're mid-40s, I'm mid-40s now, I'm like, I'm learning to roller skate backwards. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's good, isn't it? Because I say if you learn things as you get older, and you you jump in if I'm I'm wrong, Emma, but the neural pathways, you know, they light back up. Totally. The neural connections that are happening in your brain. And I
0: I did a um I ran a masterclass for fifty women yesterday and we we're talking about strengths and we we're talking about how the neural pathways just you know, it's like having six lanes on the freeway. And if you're working to your strengths, how quickly that all the traffic moves. But when you're not working to your strengths, and I got them to do one exercise at the beginning, which was fold your arms. And then uncross your arms and refold them in a different way. And they were like, oh, that doesn't feel great. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, um, I digress. Tell me, one thing that seems to remain the same is that you are always testing your limits. Even in this conversation, you're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, with the long distance running, obviously you can do it again. You want to do the Ironman, but I feel like you've done the Ironman. Have you done that
1: now? I did. Yeah, I I did the Ironman and then I got invited to do the Ironman World Championships. So when was how long ago was that? That was in 2016. Okay, cool. Yeah, then I had my first son I, and then I did a marathon, and then I had my second baby, and then COVID for the past two years. Yeah. So I haven't done anything. I mean, I still run, right? Because that's what I love, and I as a mum. It's really easy to not prioritise yourself, as you would probably know, Emma. And I find for me, if I don't do anything for myself, then I just become this really bitchy, irritated, resentful, grumpy person who's not a whole lot of fun with the kids and not really fun for my partner either. But if I manage to do something for myself and for me, that looks like going for a run and I get a bit of me time. I feel calmer, relaxed, happier, everyone in the family wins. Totally. And I have a, when I work with my clients, we talk
0: about me time and getting time to themselves. And I take my me time the first thing in the morning. So I get up and meditate. That's my time. I have a cup of tea, dog on my lap and I meditate. And it's a signal to myself that I'm important. So I got to go first, but it's also, you know, the day catches up with you and then you get to the end of the day. You're like, I haven't had any me time and you can get a bit
1: grumpy because of that a lot grumpy I can get a lot a lot lot, grumpier grumpier,
0: (laughs) where do you fit your running in and why do you keep testing your limits because you've done the Kokoda Trail as well right
1: yes yes
0: so you just keep testing your limits what's it about
1: I like challenging myself and I think that we learn a lot about ourselves when we challenge ourselves right it forces us to step up get outside of our comfort zone get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, we learn things about ourselves. We might learn that we are more resilient than we gave ourselves credit for. We might learn that we're more resourceful. And so I really like all the lessons that we learn about the people that we are when we test ourselves. But also I'm just quite a physical person. So I, I like moving moving around I'm, I'm kind of a fidgety person in case you haven't noticed on this <laughs> on this, <laughs> on this show, Emma. so I think that's that's why that's why I challenge myself yeah I love it I love it in your book happy you interviewed a range of people about what makes them happy what have you found out and what was your favorite interview from that the best person I interviewed was Eddie Eddie Jacku and I just liked his outlook which was very simple but very relevant, like spend time with people you love and enjoy your life kind of outlook, which I really liked. And it's the advice he gave is something that often, you know, I know my grandparents would say to me, and that at times it feels a bit trite or a bit corny, right? But it's really, it's really true. And I think our elders, like Eddie and like our grandparents, have so much to teach us and their ability to just stop. Smell the roses, savor this magical adventure that's called life. is really important and really good as well. Yeah,
0: I think um, you know, when I read Eddie's book and then I when I read your book, I think the you know the word presence gets bandied around a lot. It's like authentic. I don't know if you know, but authentic gets pushed around a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does presence. But there's something in that being in that moment. That just makes sense to me and even though we were in lockdown for quite a long time, it was easy to not be present. I found that it was easy for people to not be present. They could sit on their mobile phone, go down some rabbit holes, check out the news, not savour the peace that, okay, we're home together 24 7 but we can make the most of this we can introduce new card games we can have more family time we can do homemade movie nights i don't know that everyone kind of went oh yeah there is some advantages to this it's almost it was almost like a a kickback to the 60s and a slowdown
1: yeah i mean i personally liked lockdown because I did get more time at home with my family there's an element of privilege that comes with a statement like that though right because I you know it's not like I lost my job it's not like I was getting abused by my partner you know all of those things so I didn't have I wasn't worried about that type of stuff so for me I quite enjoyed lockdown which may not have been the case for for everyone in Australia. Yeah absolutely I mean we
0: Have a charity that we support called Impact for Women and they deal with survivors of domestic violence. Yeah. Okay. And so I was hearing daily from their CEO who I was coaching at the time around what was happening in lockdown and it was horrific. But one of the exercises that I did when I went to her warehouse is she put all the shoes of women and kids who had been killed in acts of domestic violence and uh, lined them up and just how many there were. It was so horrific, but at the same time it had to happen. But that image is seared into my brain now on actually what can we do, what can I do as an impact to help Yeah, bring my voice to the craziness that is domestic violence and the awful awful stories that you hear about women who have to run and uh, it was just crazy so I totally get that we are in a place of privilege where it's safe in our house and we have our own thing going on and none of the atrocities that happened we're we're almost a bit shielded from that as well in that
1: time yeah yeah and I felt like that and too and I think some people wrote me some questions about you know happiness and a lot of people said when I feel happy I feel guilty because I think about everyone else in the world and I think that's obviously really nice but it's kind of like not finishing your dinner because there's people in the world who aren't lucky enough to have a plate so i think if you're happy like definitely enjoy it soak it up savor it be thankful be grateful for the beautiful life you live and then think about much like you do emma with your coaching and your podcast and um supporting charities think about like i'm i'm so privileged i'm so grateful i'm i live a really great life how can i spread this around or how can i help others or how could i be of service for someone else i think that's probably more helpful than just feeling guilty. Totally. I love it. It's almost putting the emotion to use, right? It's
0: like, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, ha- I'm happy. I'm in a great place. What can I do to serve others? Even if it's someone
1: on the street or... Even if it's just making a meal for your neighbour. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Those, those little those simple little acts of kindness. I really believe they make a big difference in how someone's feeling. Because you could, you know, someone in front of the cafe, you might pay for their coffee and they might say, oh, thanks heaps, and you might not think about it again. But maybe for that person, they they were really struggling. Maybe they had a really shit morning. Maybe they were thinking really anxious, depressed thoughts. Maybe they were in a really dark place. Maybe just by paying for their coffee, they felt, hey, maybe the world that I live in isn't so shit after all Yeah, kind of thing.
0: Doesn't take much to be kind. Tell me, Terea, what makes you happy?
1: Ah, uh, for me, spending good time with my family, and I'm not talking about doing the domestic drudgeries of life like school drop off school pickups, making never lunch, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that stuff, but if I'm spending intentional quality time with my family. So yesterday we went down the river, the boys are swimming, Michael and I were relaxing. We didn't have our phones with us. So for me, that's a time when I feel really happy. I also feel happy when I'm working on things that are important for me. So, you know, writing the book, doing this interview, that type of stuff I quite like and I enjoy it. It makes me happy. And if I'm doing something for myself, so if I'm filling my cup, if I'm going for that run, uh, I feel pretty good. I think a really common misconception about happiness is that we're supposed to feel happy all of the time. And I I call bullshit on that because I think, yeah, it's great if you're happy most days, but if you're not happy one day or you're stressed or you're irritated or you're tired, those are fine to feel. Like those are valid emotions you're allowed to feel not optimal or sad or resentful. Totally. And I think that
0: with things that are happening in the world, things externally that affect us, you know, it doesn't We don't have to sit there and go, oh, yeah, it's a perfect life. It's not a perfect life. It's just life and we
1: deal with the ups and downs of life as it happens. Exactly. And when life is going good, try and savour it, relish in it, you know, be thankful for that. And when times aren't as good, remind yourself that you've gone through tough times before and it's a shitty stage of your life and you don't exactly froth on it, you don't exactly like it, but things will, you know, things will get better you'll bounce yeah totally tell us what are you doing these days so you I I see
0: you reinventing yourself a number of times what are you doing
1: I've got a running program for moms, which I've spoken about a little bit on this call which is really amazing we take mums who have never run ever and through the program they're running five kilometers and then they run 10 and now they're running 21 kilometers which is a half marathon like that's amazing that that is massive in over a course of six months to go from running, not at all, to be able to do a half marathon. So that takes up a big portion of my time and it's something I really love to do. Doing things to myself, so running. I need to get some more hobbies, hey? I, I tend, <laughs> running, tend, running, running, running. running. Um, and I think my kids are still pretty young, right? So Hakabai is four, Rahidi is two. So they take up a big part of my day. I'm cognizant of the fact that, That won't be forever, right? Like they'll go to school soon. They won't need me. Then they won't want me to hug them. They won't want me to hold their hand. So even though at times it is a challenging time with the boys, delightful, but also some days challenging, I remind myself that it's, you know, try and savor it, try and soak it up.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. And you're still doing speaking gigs. Are they, have they, have they moved virtually for you? They're all
1: virtual. They're all virtual these days, which I actually love Emma. It's really good yeah. because <laughs> don't even anywhere. Oh, I get yeah, that, and also like I'm living in far north Queensland, and I've got two young kids. Like the chances of me being able to do a speaking gig in Melbourne, not going to happen. Pretty tough now. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So is your preference
1: now just to do the virtual? Just to do virtual yes, stuff? Just doing virtual. Yeah, just because of the boys, and then the truck. It was just when I just had of he used to come with me. That was challenging, but also a bit of fun because he was there, and my mum would come with me too, which was also fun but challenging. Traveling <laughs> traveling with your mum. yeah. <laughs> um, and that, since I've had the two, I'm just like, nah. I've tried to take them both with me. It's doable, but it's not particularly enjoyable. Yes, for them or for me. Doable, so, but not enjoyable. I like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 I like that.
0: What um you and Michael, you've got the two boys. What's your hope or your wish for
1: them? for the boys, yeah. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about kindness earlier. So I think if they grow up to be like kind, decent, generous, giving, caring, nurturing, compassionate, empathetic individuals. That's a um, long list. That's that a is long list. list. Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to go with kind. If they're kind and just like, if they're just kind and good humans, I'll be stoked. Beyond that, I hope that they do work, that they enjoy, that they find something that they enjoy doing. And for me, I've always found exercise or physically moving my body has been a great tool to help me with my mental health. And I I really want them to learn that lesson, right, that they do have the inner resources to be able to cope with what life throws their way if they're feeling physically strong and resilient. Yes. Yes. Yeah, totally. I love that. Long, long list. Long, long list so.
0: But also our children, the jobs that they're going to have, they're not even created yet.
1: I know. I but know. That just
0: blows my mind. Like I think Evie has come home a number of times and she'd like to be a vet. Then she worked out that when you're a vet you have to put animals down and she doesn't oh, want to do that Okay. Bit. She just wants to help them get better, which is very reasonable. And I'm like, mm, but what about the other side? And she's like, yeah, not so much. <laughs> But I think we just want our kids to be kind, right? It's like it's the new currency almost.
1: Yeah, it is. I think <laughs> when you watch the news, right, it, it, it paints a really depressing view of the world and I always try and remember like that's what the news is. Like the news is one version of the world and it's, It's not uplifting or bright or sunny or cheery because it's designed to get clicks, to get eyeballs, to get people to continue to watch. The news is really important because it does give you a context of what's going on in the world today and it does make you realise how privileged we are in Australia in particular. But I don't think it's helpful to be just watching it all day, every day, thinking about the COVID numbers and you know all of that stuff. It just... For me, it does my head in. Yeah, me too. I switched it off because I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. So I watch it maybe twice a week. Just check in, make sure that I'm across what's happening in our world, important, but don't dial into it too much. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting state of affairs. Tell me, my final question, for people listening, they might be procrastinating or facing some challenges in their life or perhaps they just want to be a
1: bit better at what they do. What would you tell them? Just show up. <laughs> I no, like, on, Honestly, honestly, if there's something you're procrastinating about or you want to do or you want to get better at, just just start by showing up. So if you want to get better at running, find a running coach or find a running group and then just show up. And if you're really terrible at that first run, which I presume you would be if you haven't run in a really long time, remember that all you need to do is just, keep going, keep going back, keep showing up, embrace the beginner mindset and be confident that if you are showing up day in, day out, you just get better at things. Totally. Yeah, I love it. Thank you
0: so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: It's been lovely speaking to you.
0: Oh, thank you. Tea with the Queen, what can you say? I love
1: it. Can (laughs) I ask a question of you now? Of course you can. Is that legit your last name? (laughs) <laughs> it's my married name, so
0: but it's I, a real name. Yeah, McQueen is my real name. Okay, I said to my husband because we, of course, we started using it. So we tea with the queen. We've got business with the queen. We got we had lunch with the queen. I said to my husband, if we get divorced, we just need to have this conversation now that I need to keep the name because it would be very awkward, wouldn't you'll it? You'll be keeping the name.
1: <laughs> I'll be keeping, you'll be, yeah. You'll be keeping that name. He's yes. like, you'll have to pay
0: me for it. Like,
1: oh, Fun. <laughs> But yes, it's definitely my yes. name. Okay, Oh, cool. good question
0: though, Taria. I wonder oh, if other look, people wonder
1: that. I was just curious. <laughs> I was just thinking, is that? Is that real? Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Thank you. I didn't actually coin the queen thing. Someone else coined it and then I just ran with it. That's what happens, right? That's it. You run with things, you show up. Exactly. You're exactly. consistent. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Taria. You're amazing. Legend. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.